0: Well, it's great to be back in California. Last Sunday I was in Kansas where the high temperature was supposed to reach 14 degrees. I don't think it did. The wind was blowing 20 miles an hour, and every time we stepped outside, I thought I would die. And uh, the last several days, I've been texting my daughter in Virginia almost hourly. She decided to invite four college students over for the weekend to have a snowbound lock-in. Now, she grew up on the equator. She'd never seen this much snow before, and it never crossed her mind that there's not a gas appliance in her whole apartment. So I've been, I, all, all, I've been praying all weekend, Lord, please don't let the police go and find five frozen bodies in her apartment from this crazy time in the East Coast. And they've been fine. They've had a great time uh, doing discipleship all day. They made a decision to do discipleship together, just pray and read and talk uh, all day and then watch movies at night. And uh, so they've been having a great time, not going anywhere in Virginia. Isn't it great we don't have 24 inches of snow on the ground uh, this morning? It's great to be here. It might be fun once. Yeah, if we knew it was coming. Anyway, it is great to be back, great to be with you. And I know that you were blessed by Rex last week, those of you who were here. He is such a good Bible teacher and I I love to hear how he says uh, biblical truths. Today I'm going to start a series, um, it may be a short series, but we're going to start a series from the book of Acts. I decided to do this series back in December as I was thinking about the new year and um, the issues that the church is facing. Again, we're still in this transition period. And I thought we've walked through some basic beliefs of the Christian faith, we walked through that whole story of... Of Christmas and the coming of our Savior. And so now, uh, this is the year that we as a church are moving forward without a seminary close by. And I thought, let's go back to the very basics, back to the basics about what the church is. So for the next few weeks, we'll be looking at the book of Acts. And I thought we would just start with Acts 1.1 today, but considering other issues that are going on in the church, I decided let's skip that one and come back next week and begin with verse 15 of the first chapter of Acts. I find this to be a story that is very relevant to us today. It is a unique event in the history of the church in many ways, and yet we see a pattern of choosing a leader that is something we still attempt to emulate today, even in our church here in Tiburon. So turn to Acts, the first chapter, beginning with verse 15. This book is usually referred to as Acts of the Apostles, but as we read it carefully, what we really see is the Acts of God, the Acts of the Holy Spirit as He leads His church and forms them into the body that brings him honor. And so this passage is an important step along that way. So listen as I read these verses. During these days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The number of people who were together was about 120 and said, Brothers, the scriptures had to be fulfilled that the Holy Spirit, through the mouth of David, spoke in advance about Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was one of our number, and was allotted a share in this ministry. Now this man, Judas, that is, acquired a field with his unrighteous wages, and falling first he burst open in the middle, and all his inside spilled out. This became known to all the residents of Jerusalem, so that in their own language that field is called Hakeldema, that is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, Let his dwelling become desolate, let no one live in it, and let someone else take his position. Therefore, from among the men who have accompanied us during the whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day he was taken up from us, from among these it is necessary that one become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they proposed two, Joseph, called Barsabbas, who was also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, You, Lord, know the hearts of all. Show which of these two you have chosen to take the place in this apostolic service that Judas left to go to his own place. Then they cast lots for them, and the lot fell to Matthias. So he was numbered with the eleven apostles. Now I'm giving you some notes again this morning for those of you who want to follow along in those notes. And let me just point out several uh, very important issues related to the context of this particular story. This occurs just after Jesus has ascended to heaven. The the crucifixion, the resurrection, all that's taken place. Jesus has appeared to to all of these people, this 120, and now Jesus has ascended to heaven. The story also is Right after, again, as we all know the story, that Judas had betrayed Jesus. And that becomes a critical piece in this story. Judas, who was one of the twelve, who knew Jesus, who followed Jesus, who listened all those years, saw the miracles, and in some ways must have loved Jesus, Judas turned against him at the last moment and betrayed Jesus to the authorities, and then he was crucified. The other important thing is that at this point this is after the ascension of Jesus but it is actually before the coming of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was promised to these people to the church by Jesus. He told them to gather together and to stay there in the city and to pray and be prepared for the coming of the Holy Spirit, but that has not yet happened. All of these three issues are critical to our understanding this particular story. The first thing as we read this passage we see is they needed to replace a leader. This is the first time in the history of Christian community that they had to replace a leader. And again, this was in many ways very unique. There's still 11 apostles. But Jesus had told them, he had taught them while he was with them, that he had chosen 12 on purpose. They represented, in essence, the 12 tribes of Israel. 12 was a special number. And now Judas has turned away, and later, maybe in grief and regret, committed suicide. He is no longer with them, and there is only 11. And at this particular time, it was decided that that was not acceptable. Why did Jesus choose the twelve? He chose them to come and be with Him and learn from Him so that He was preparing them to do what was now needed, and that was to lead the church, to establish the true story of who He was and why He came. The New Testament is not yet written there verbal testimony was absolutely essential to establishing who Jesus really was and again they felt incomplete because there were only 11 instead of 12 now the interesting thing here is that later on in the story others of these apostles pass away many of them are killed and nowhere does it say in the scripture or elsewhere that that person was replaced. In other words, the other apostles after they were gone were gone, but they had accomplished the person, purpose that Jesus had called them to. Judas never accomplished that purpose. He did not declare the true story of Jesus. And the witness required one more in order to complete that symbolic 12. And so for a period now, there's going to be 12 until someone else passes the way. And then each apostle from this point on, as they pass away, they have been faithful unto death to believe and trust and proclaim Jesus. And then they're not replaced again. This is the only replacement of one of the apostles. And so it makes it a rather unique situation in Christian history. We don't do that again. We're not going to, uh, in our church, decide who is the replacement apostle uh, because we have the Word of God and we have their testimony. Their unique historical role is done with, praise His name, and they were faithful. So... There is the need to replace a leader, and yet it's a unique situation that makes it in some ways different from situations in in the contemporary world. The second thing I'd like to point out is that throughout this story, these verses that we've just read, the process intentionally involved the whole company of the committee. Now, here are 11 apostles... In this group of 120. They know Jesus the best. They followed him. They know there has to be one more. The 11 apostles could have pulled off to the side. And said okay who are we going to choose. To replace Judas. That's not what they did. Peter stood up. In the midst. Of the whole group. Of those 120 believers. Who were still holding faithful. And waiting on the Holy Spirit. And he announced that we're going to have to replace Judas. He stood up among the brothers, as verse 15 says. And then if we skip back over a little bit further down in the story to verse 23, verse 24, verse 26, we see again and again it says that they, and in this context that appears to be the 120, work together as a community to go through this process of choosing a leader. Now, for some who are not that aware of Baptists and how we do things, this comes as a surprise. We are a congregational church. We make the big decisions as a church. Now, thankfully, we don't have to vote on how many boxes of pencils we need next year or the, the little minor details. But the big issues we do come together as a whole group. And there's a reason for that. We are the church, and this is a decision of the church. We see that same kind of pattern in this very first story after the ascension of Jesus, that they have come together as a group to make this decision. Now, we're presently going through a process of choosing a leader, too and it is very much a congregational decision it really isn't true that there's some secret group of two or three people who make all the decisions in our church and then you know somehow trick us all into thinking that we did no it's really true we make these decisions uh, we are presently in a position where a committee our pastor search committee which was chosen by who the the, the oh you you guys Picked out who should be on that committee, right? They represented you, and so, and they've been working really hard behind the scenes for months. We chose a small group to work together behind the scenes for a while to prepare to bring us to this point where we are now. And in the end, it is our whole church who seeks the Lord and makes this decision. It's a congregational decision. One of the steps in that process is that tonight we're going to have a time of hearing from Bryce, who has been brought by that committee to our church. That committee has also brought, gotten input from every member who wanted to give input through a survey, a rather detailed survey, maybe one of the most detailed our church has done in quite a long time. So we've been involved in this process from the beginning, and that actually fits the pattern of the early church. That makes me excited. I don't know about you, that really makes me excited to see. We're trying to match up with how they were doing things. Now, if you'll note in verse 21 and 22, Peter announced what the specific qualifications were. They They determined there were specific qualifications. And in the case here in Acts 1, it was the qualifications to be one of the 12 apostles. It had to be someone who was a witness of the complete ministry of Jesus. Now that actually sort of surprises me because... We know that there were others who were sort of tagging along with Jesus besides the twelve, but now these guys could say, oh, well, there are people who were there all the time that Jesus was traveling around and preaching and healing and teaching and all the things that he was doing. There are others who were also eyewitnesses of the whole ministry of Jesus and can testify to the truth of who he is. So they determined the specific qualifications for this specific leader. Again, this was a one-time event. Uh, We don't hold to that same qualification exactly today. We don't have any, even some of our older members weren't there for the whole ministry of Jesus all over Galilee and Judea. (laughs) Again, a one-time event, but the concept, the principle that there were qualifications and that a leader should be judged in view of those qualifications. Now, we actually have those qualifications in our Scripture. One's in Timothy and one's in Titus, and I'm going to ask you if you just turn briefly to Titus. I'll just read them very briefly. Many of you have been praying through these and thinking through these. Certainly, the pastor search committee has. This is one of the two places where the qualifications are just simply laid out for us. Titus 1, verses 5 to 9. The reason I left you in Crete was to set right what was left undone, and as I directed you to to appoint elders in every town. Someone who is blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of wildness or rebellion. For an overseer as God's manager must be blameless, not arrogant, not quick-tempered, not addicted to wine, not a bully, not greedy for money, but hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, righteous, holy, self-controlled. Holding to the faithful message is taught so that he will be able both to encourage with sound teaching and to refute those who contradict it. Now we do see one difference in the methodology here in Titus. Paul was sending missionaries to these churches that were being established and in the first step, the very first leaders were chosen by the missionaries, it appears. Paul and Barnabas did that in Acts and we see that in Timothy and Titus But that doesn't appear to be the ongoing uh, emphasis of the church. We come back to the idea that the whole church was involved once it was established. So here are the qualifications that God has laid out for a leader, an elder, a pastor in the church. And it is appropriate for us to have these in mind as we seek his direction about This choice. Number four, they recommended qualified nominees. Now, I started to say candidates. But, you know, we're right in the middle of a political process that makes me really a little uncomfortable to name anything that we do in the church as a candidate. Because we certainly don't want to go through anything like the kind of political process uh, that's going on in our country right now in our church. We don't want candidates debating and arguing and attacking each other, all of that. So I'm going to say nominees. They recommended two men who were fully qualified. They seemed to have been equally qualified according to the qualification that had been stated. And so they recommended two. It's interesting. We also go through a process where we have recommendations. In fact, we were asked for recommendations. We do things that may be a little bit more formally. We actually use resumes or professional CVs. uh, But it's essentially the same process. We see the need for a leader. We recognize the qualifications. We consider those qualifications. And we begin to recommend nominees who might feel... That role. Verses 24 and 25 turn in another direction that is exceptionally important for us today. Because in these verses, we see that these Christians acknowledged that the choice of this leader actually belonged to God. It was God's choice. This was not a popularity contest. This was nothing like that. This was not just to be a human selection process. This was godly people turning to God and asking Him to guide the process because they believed this whole thing should be under the hand of God. Listen to what it says. Then they prayed, You, Lord, know the hearts of all. Show which of these two you have chosen to take the place in this apostolic service that Judas left to go to his own place. Many of you have been praying for months about this choice. And if you haven't been praying a lot about that choice, then now is the time for us to do that. We need to be praying diligently. Today and over the next two weeks. We. Why did the committee decide to sort of stretch this out They announced their nominee last Sunday. We're having a dialogue today about that. And then we have two more weeks before we make the decision. So that we have time to pray. So that we have time to consider before the Lord what He wants. That's the most important part of this whole process. What does God want? Not that, what do I want or how is this going to look or whatever. What is it that God wants to do? And then in verse 26 we see they used a specific procedure to determine God's will. Now I use the term specific procedure because that's what it is but it's not exactly the same one that we use today. They cast lots. Now, Interestingly enough, this was a common Old Testament method. We see in numerous places in the Old Testament, it's the same, actually it's probably the same process that the soldiers used, uh, bargaining over who got the robe of Jesus under the cross as He was hanging from the tree. They were casting lots. They, as we might say today, throwing the dice. They had a specific procedure that was an Old Testament procedure and I believe that it was intended to say, this is out of our hands. We are entrusting this to God. God, you take charge of this. And then they cast those lots. Proverbs 16.33. Look look at what it says. <clears throat> In the wisdom from Solomon, the lot is cast into the lamp, but its every decision is from the Lord. That's what they trusted. That... God, we're asking that you choose for us and therefore we're using this particular procedure. Now, I think it's really important here that we recognize again the context of this particular story. What had not yet happened at this point in the story? The Holy Spirit had not been given. The church did not have its internal guide It's empowerer, the giver of the gifts. The church did not yet have the Holy Spirit. None of us have experienced that kind of church. The the Holy Spirit is here. He is within us. But for them, in this particular case, they did not yet have the Holy Spirit. And I think it's more than a coincidence that this is the very last time in Scripture that casting lots is mentioned. From this point on, they turn to God and ask the Holy Spirit to direct them. And He directs them in a more personal, inward way than this. But there was a procedure. Now, this is a Baptist church. We vote. Why do we do that? Because we believe it is our responsibility as individuals who have been given the Holy Spirit to submit ourselves to Him and ask Him to guide us And then the corporate decision of all of us who are members. Coming together, we as a group determine what we believe is God's will in regard to what is not a personal decision, but a community decision. And that's why we do it that way. And then in verse 26, it says, He was numbered with the 11 apostles the church accepted the final decision in unity. They made sure that it was submitted to God, that the nominees were qualified according to what the Scripture said, they should, how they should be qualified. And then once the decision was made, the church, there, there's no sense of their arguing or any divisions in the church in Jerusalem from this point. Matthias becomes the twelfth. And my assumption is that Joseph continued to bear witness to Jesus and serve and be a part of that church for the rest of his life. The church came together in unity and moved ahead. So, in some ways, this story is very different from our situation. And yet, there are so many important principles and practices that we're emulating today as we seek the Lord's will. Would you take time to seek the Lord's direction for the future of Tiburon Baptist Church. Would you pray and submit that decision to the leadership of the one who is all-wise and the one who gives gifts to his church. That is our responsibility as fellow brothers and sisters in this church over the next few weeks. God will lead us, I believe. We submit ourselves to Him and seek His direction in our lives. We're going to be standing and singing a hymn of commitment. I have decided to follow Jesus. This hymn actually comes from the Himalaya mountains where a group of people began to believe in Jesus a hundred years or so ago. Today in that part of India, 90% of that people who were singing this at an earlier time in their Christian history, 90% of them are not just Christians, they happen to be Baptists. I have decided to follow Jesus. Would you make that recommitment in your heart today as we sing together?